before I read the Bible, I'd like to just pray that Holy Spirit will be with us and enlighten us today. Our Lord God, thank you that you sent your Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, you imprinted the written word onto the hearts of men in the past, in the prophets. But now you imprint your word on our hearts. So we come before you and pray, Lord, soften our hearts. Holy Spirit, soften them so they're ready to receive the word that will be read and preached about today. We thank you for the topic that's being um, preached on today and read about. It's an exciting topic. We thank you for Andrew, who has prepared during the weeks beforehand. Thank you that you've been working on his heart and his mind to be able to bring the truths that your word has about this topic. And so bless him and other preachers whenever they're preaching. In Jesus' name, amen. So our first Bible reading is just two verses from 1 Peter chapter 2 and then we'll move across to Philippians for a slightly longer reading. Um, And it's based on our topic this morning which comes from our little list. I hope you've all got this up on your fridge. We're down to this statement. It starts with last week's statements which was, I believe in the Holy Spirit today. The Holy Catholic Church, the communion of the saints. So it's about the church. So let's read what 1 Peter chapter 2 verses 9 and 10 say. But you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvellous light. Once you were not a people, but now you are God's people. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. And then Philippians chapter 2 Verses 1 to 11. Philippians 2, 1 to 11. So, if there is any encouragement in Christ and comfort from love and participation in the Spirit, any affection and sympathy, complete my joy by being of the same mind, having the same love, being in full accord and of one mind. Do nothing from rivalry or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves, but also to the interests of others. Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God as a thing to be grasped, 
but made himself nothing, taking the form of a servant. And being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Therefore, God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Thanks, Inika. Thanks for that. There's a... Um, it, it just... Um, oh, before I start, good morning, everybody. My name's Andrew. <laughs> uh, it's my privilege to pastor here and um, feeling a little bit from that list on the, on the screen during the prayer time, just recognising um, just how lucky we are as a, as a community to... Well, not lucky. How blessed we are as a community to be able to be able to, to be able to reach into so many different parts of the world, local and and far. But just to see that God has put uh, the gifts, the passions, the abilities, the time, the, the everything we need to be obedient to Him, and and then as we get to pray as a community together to do that, I'm just struck by how special that is, you know, and how it's a real privilege. But I did want to say that I just really enjoyed Inika's Bible reading. There's this, I listen to a lot of podcasts and, and, you know, at risk of getting laughed at, you know, because Tim Teller always gets a a rise. But I listen to a lot of his and there's a British guy and there's always someone that does the Bible reading before he preaches and there's this British guy that does it and he enunciates exactly the same way and kind of adds all these things the same way and I love it when he does that. And so I was just reminded of that this morning, Inika, thanks for that. I thought it was great. And you did a great introduction to what we're talking about today too, which is really good. I believe in the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints we're, we're talking about today. And um, we've been talking about, um, we've been working our way through the Apostles' Creed, um, understanding what it, what it means for us, what we're saying, and we say, I believe that. And so we called the, the series, I Believe. You know, we right at the start, we looked at what is a creed and where did it come from, who wrote it and why did they write it and why would they want it to and how was it used. Um, it was used because people didn't have books and, and, and perhaps couldn't read and so they were taught to, to be able to recite a concise way of talking about the gospel from start to finish and, and just how we've discovered that everything in there is and there's nothing in there that isn't important for us to understand and to know. It gives us a clear understanding of the good news of Jesus Christ, the, the good news of salvation. And not only does it tell us about the good news, it just reminds us and fills us and the Spirit, Holy Spirit fills us with a sense that it is good news. And that it's good news for me. That it talks about you know, who and what led us to this. Who was it? It was God and it was love that, that led us to this, to this salvation. And how did that happen? How was it achieved and and what was the result? Jesus Christ suffered and died. And how that work, that work of salvation, that work of sanctification continues in us 
through the Holy Spirit. We talked about that last week. Um, Holy Spirit. And up until now, in the Apostles' Creed, the focus has been on God, it's been on Jesus and on Holy Spirit, hasn't it? And the only other, we did have this, the only other person mentioned, we, we talked about Pilate, that was a little while ago. Um, but the focus has been on, on who God is um, and, and how great what Jesus did for us and what it achieved. And Holy Spirit, how he works in us to continue that work of salvation and continue that work of sanctification in us. So up until now, the focus has been on God and Jesus and Holy Spirit, hasn't it? Their person, their work, their expression of love, the resulting joy and, and how it goes on. And it's been a wonderful confession up until now, hasn't it? It's been great. And uh, I believe it. Do you? Good, because we've been saying that at the end of every sermon. But now the Apostles' Creed shifts a little bit, doesn't it? The focus is now on us, on the people, on the church. I believe, and we're up to this in the, I believe in the Holy Catholic Church and the communion of saints. The communion, the common union, the communion of saints. I believe in the church. Really? Can I? Should I? The church gets a bad rap nowadays, doesn't it? You hear it? Often, and perhaps you've even experienced it. Maybe you've even been part of, well, I don't know if I believe in the church so much. The church fails badly. The church acts badly. It's full of broken people, hurting people, people that make mistakes. And so when I start saying, I believe in the church, does this still fit with that? You know, we've been talking about that this is a concise understanding of the gospel. How does that fit? That perfect message of the Apostles' Creed up until now that we celebrate, and now I believe in the church. And in this day and age, when I look at the church, what does that mean? But remember, we said that if it's in the Apostles' Creed, then it's important. And it's a key part of the gospel message. It's a key part of the gospel, that whole, the whole message of the gospel, understanding of the gospel. We said if it's in the Apostles' Creed, it's supposed to be there and we're supposed to be able to say, I believe it, and we're supposed to understand it. We need to know that it's important. There's a reason we need to understand and believe in the church. So I had done a lot of reading on defining these words, holy Catholic, are we Catholic? Church, um, communion, um, saints. I'd done a lot of reading on that and got some great ideas around that. And I was ready to unpack them all with this historical fact. You know how I sometimes get lost in that in my messages. I was ready to, to do all that and, and bring you the original meanings and etc. etc. But Though I will briefly define them, I will do that and help us to see them right, I'd really like to focus more today on what and who the church is in God's eyes. Why would we talk about this in the Apostles' Creed? What, what is the church? Who is, who is she in God's eyes? Who are we and, and why does it exist? If I believe in it, I want to understand it and I want to understand God's vision for it, God's eyes for it, God's heart. For you and I sitting here, and, and, and further than just here, by the way, too. 
So let's look at the first one, Holy Catholic Church. Notice it says, I believe in the Holy Catholic Church. It doesn't say perfect Pentecostal church. It doesn't say righteous Reformed church. It doesn't say persevering Presbyterians or crazy Charismatics. It's not singing salvos or reciting Roman Catholics. It's not loquacious Lutherans. I just made that word up. Sorry about that. That's, a, that's not a real one. It says Holy Catholic Church. Well, what does it mean? Well, we're going to keep it fairly simple because, like I said, we, I went really probably too far into it, but let's keep it simple. Let's have a look. But let's start at the back. It just basically means ecclesia. And it might surprise you to know that historically it isn't a religious word. Church is not a religious word. It simply means gathering or assembly or a calling out for something. Imagine that in the old days in a village, someone would call the people out of their homes into the city square for protest. We do them nowadays, you know, the Black Lives Matter or whatever we want to protest. It's calling out people to something. That's the original definition of the word. A village meeting, an official meeting, even a riot. But there's reason to gather. So a church is a gathering, but there's a reason, there's a calling out, a reason to gather. Now for us though, however, we see in Matthew, on this rock I will build my church. Now we see Jesus taking ownership of the church. You are Peter and on this rock I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail. Something like that. The church is now my church. This is now Jesus' gathering. Jesus is beginning to define church as his gathering. So we know then that if we're talking about the gospel, if we're talking about what God, Jesus and Holy Spirit have done, we know that the Apostles' Creed is speaking about a special gathering, my church. Jesus said, you are the beginning of my church. Talking about a special gathering and the reason for the gathering is a person. It's not a riot. It's not you know, fair wages or anything like that. So then from there through the ages, the word church became used to describe the gathering of the people of Christ. So when we say, I believe in the Holy Catholic Church, we do mean more than a gathering to protest or discuss. You know, when we gather together to discuss something in the street, we don't call it that. You know, how is the footy? I don't want to get into that because I don't follow it and I'll embarrass myself. But it's more than that, isn't it? We understand that the Apostles' Creed is telling us that it's the church. It's around Jesus, around a person, Jesus. Okay, so let's go look at the word holy. Go to the front now, holy Catholic church. In one of our texts, Peter said, you are a holy nation. Other parts of the Bible call us holy brethren. We don't generally do that when we walk in here. We don't normally say, good morning, holy brother or holy brethren. Or, you know, I don't get up the front and say, we welcome you, holy brethren. And, and Philippa didn't do that. But that's what the Bible calls us. It calls us holy. Well, what it doesn't mean is perfect. It doesn't mean sinless. It doesn't mean we're just a bit better than average. You know, holy is a little bit better than average. It does mean that we're set apart. It does mean that we're assigned Think about that word. We're assigned. You've been, you've been given a purpose. You've assigned for something. You're, you're labeled, this one is for that. It does mean, and it's, it's been for other things. Imagine the temples. You know, in the Bible, we, it calls them holy temples. There were many temples, 
But there were temples that were set apart, assigned for the purposes of God in heaven. And they were called holy temples. The others were just temples. So holy is an attribute of the church. It's, it's who we are. It's just, and it does mean that God has seen us and he saw fit to set us apart and to save us, to work out sanctification in our lives, to begin by Holy Spirit's work, that sanctification work in our lives, to define our purpose as his representatives here on earth. That's what it does mean. Holy is set apart for a whole lot of stuff, for being saved, uh, but also for being his representatives here on earth. And this is what we've seen right now, up until, up until now in the, in the Apostles' Creed, haven't you? That God moved by love, chose us for salvation, sent his son to attain it for us, left Holy Spirit to work it out in our lives, assigned us as his we have been made holy for him. Okay, so we've got church and holy. Now the interesting one, Catholic. And we all wonder, what does that mean? Do we put a big C or a little C? You know? Oh, doesn't matter. What does it mean? What does Catholic mean? And, and I actually got a little bit excited. When I started thinking of the implications, I got really excited about this because it reveals something to us. Catholic simply means universal or entire or everywhere. Um, or it could also mean general. But it also means timeless. So it's, it's not bound by now. It's, it's, it's future. It's past. It's timeless. It, it, it's the universal church, if you like. And we, you've heard people say that before. So it's not just the local church, not just the church of this time, but also in history, isn't it? But it's the church everywhere. Think, um, and this is where I get excited with my missions background, think of tribes, cultures, traditions, denominations. Remember those Presbyterians and the crazy charismatics and, you know, denominations. Nations, styles of worship. When you say entire, you're talking about the entire church, aren't you? You're talking about um, the church everywhere, the church that's worshipping right now um, in the rest of Melbourne, the church that will worship in about seven or eight hours' time in, in Africa and other nations, the churches that will do it with screaming and shouting and worshipping for about an hour and a half till they sweat. Come to Africa with me and you'll see that. You know, To the churches that do Gregorian chants and make sure that they don't blink when they, you know. It's the entire church, isn't it? All kinds of expressions, modern tr expressions, traditional, mega church, house church, smoke machine. Okay, well, let's not go overboard then. There's an interesting little detail in the word Catholic, isn't there? You know, the, the, in, in the New Testament, James 1 and 2 Peter, 1, 2, 3 John and Jude are often called the Catholic epistles, the Catholic letters. You know why that is? Because they were written to the whole church, not to any particular church as some others were. So let's put that together a bit. When I say I believe in the Holy Catholic Church, I'm saying, and this is, I made this up, and you might want to do it different. I'm saying I believe in a set-apart, assigned for God's purpose people throughout history and now, who are of all persuasions, cultures, nations and stages in their walk that gather for and because of him. 
That's what you're saying when you're saying, I believe in the Holy Catholic Church. It starts to get a little bit more exciting, doesn't it, than Holy Catholic Church, and we're not thinking of robes anymore and, you know, and um, all that sort of stuff. You might come up with other ways to say it. How would you say it? You, know, you might sort of gather together a different set of understandings of how to say that. But I think it's a bit exciting. I think that this defines us um, and this gives us a sense of, first of all, God's amazing purpose, this, this intent in the heart of God to build his people and not just to do it, want to save his people and not just to save them but continue to save them and continue to build his people into the people that he loves. How good and enriching is that? The things we've confessed right up until now in the Apostles' Creed have been wonderful and encouraging and an upbuilding set of reminders for us personally. And now we recognize the reach and the scope of those same things, that, that we are a part of something great that God is doing. We're not just one hope sitting here on Sundays and we're not just part of the Reformed, Christian Reformed Churches of Australia. We're not just part of maybe the evangelical churches or the Protestant church. We're part of something huge and big that is timeless. And the beauty is that we're not doing it. God is doing it. And we get to partner with him in that. We've been, we've been put, set apart. We've been assigned. God says, you... You, you, us, we right here are a part of something so vast and so... Think about that. Living for, praising, living for God, praising God, glorifying God, testifying of God's people, of, of God. People everywhere are worshipping our Jesus, the Jesus that we talk about in here. People are doing that everywhere. And I was thinking, this is a little bit why I like the whole cross-cultural short-term mission things and getting being in churches where you can't understand a word they're saying. Have you ever been in a church where you just don't understand the language? You know, but you hear Jesus. And you think, oh, good, I'm in the right place. It's the right person. And isn't it interesting how hallelujah seems to be the same in every language? So you get that bit. So you just your heart connects straight away because you hear them talking about Jesus. You recognize a word or two. You recognize... I'm with the church of God. A small glimpse of that is in this next text, isn't it? In Revelations 9, I'm sorry, Revelation 7, verses 9 and 10. After this, I looked, and, and this, is, this is John looking at what's coming. I looked, and behold, a great multitude that no one could number from every nation, from all tribes and peoples and languages, standing before the throne and before the Lamb, clothed in white robes, with palm branches in their hands. And crying out with a loud voice, salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. That's what we are a part of. That's the Holy Catholic Church. Is that just a little bit exciting? That just sort of chilling. Really? It does. I believe in the church. So that's great. But we also have the line, the communion of saints. So what does that mean? Uh, there are kind of layers to this in, in my way of describing it anyway. As, as uh, it, the communion of saints, there's a few layers or a few different ways to understand this perhaps. As God's holy Catholic Church, we're a part of his communion of saints right through time. And I think I said that a little bit before. You know, that it's, that's the church in history, that the communion of saints, is, we, have a, we have this connection 
with the saints right from the very first, you know, the guys in Hebrews that we read about. Those that you might have read about in early centuries as the church was, was growing in books you might have read. The apostles and evangelists through the ages. And we share with all of them that great gift of grace. We share with all of them the name as the children of God. We share with all of them the promise of eternal life. And we share with all of them the mandate to make it known to the world, to the call. So there is that sense of the communion of saints is that we share with the, with the saints through the ages. But I believe that there's also a now and a more local way of understanding it. And I want us to have a little bit of, look at, have a bit of a look at that. Um, over these few weeks I've been reading um, this Dr. Ligon. He comments on a lot of this stuff and he said it like this. He said, first, there is the believer's communion with God, the vertical dimension of the communion of saints, the saints' communion with God. Then there's the believer's communion with the church triumphant, with our brothers and sisters who have gone to glory. That's what I was talking about historically, perhaps. And finally, there is the believer's union here on earth and especially expressed in the local congregation in which we fellowship and we share life with one another. He sees those, those layers, those different aspects, doesn't he? And as wonderful as that great, big, universal and timeless and diverse gathering of set-apart people is, I can't be with them all and neither can I. I'm called to be with the saints, to commune with the saints. Remember church, we said church was gathering? Well, by definition, I'm called to gather with the saints, aren't I? God's design is that we, as his people are a community of believers that gather for him and gather in him. This is the communion of saints. So communion isn't just another word for Lord's Supper. You know, some people call it Lord's Supper, some people call it communion. It isn't just another word for Lord's Supper. It's fellowship. And the Greek word for that is, I think I've got it up there, koinonia. And some of you might have heard that one before. And it talks about it's fellowship. It's it to have what in common? Well, you know, in the Bible there's all these, all these texts about people having all their things in common. Well, you know, maybe it's not necessarily to share all of our stuff. You know, when you ask, well, to have everything in common, do I have to share all my stuff? You know, some of my stuff's okay to share, but some I don't want to share. Or maybe it's not all of our stuff. What we do share in common is our spiritual goods. And this is really important. Grace. Salvation, a call, set-apartness. We, we share in common those spiritual goods that we have. So if we were to focus in on that third way from that quote of understanding the word communion, and we looked at 1 John 1 verse 3. Let's have a look at that. I think I've got that up there. 1 John 1 verse 3. That's, that which we've seen and heard we proclaim also to you, so that you too may have fellowship with us, and indeed, our fellowship is with the Father and with His Son, Jesus Christ. And so I might say the communion of saints is people having grace in common, fellowshipping with each other, together with the Father and Jesus. We gather here together, the communion of saints, we're having, we're having fellowship together, we have grace in common, but we gather not just with each other, we gather in the presence of God. 
Holy Spirit in us and understanding Jesus' work on the cross for us. Christ is our link, isn't it? Christ is what, what draws us together. And we know that from some of our previous sermons, we know that, that Christ is continually linking us with the Father by being our advocate. So who are we? Saints. Um, how many of you parents have looked at your kids and said, my kid's a little saint? <laughs> you know, or my wife or my husband's a saint, or my future wife or husband's a saint. I saw you look at each other there, I was watching that, you know. Who are we? We're saints. Well, we're not the kind of saints we understand that have died and are recognised for doing miracles. That's, I think that's a Roman Catholic thing. We're not sinless. We're not perfect people. Yet, we're still called saints. Because that's who we are. Because of Jesus. Because of the cross. Because of Christ. Because we belong to him, that is now our, our identity. We're called saints. The communion of people, that common union of people, the same reason to be together, that know and are helping each other to live out that set apartness. So what does that look like? What does it look like if we are the communion of saints? Well, there's heaps of stuff in the word about how we are a community, um, how we're supposed to live in unity, we're, we're supposed to love each other, um, there's supposed to be forgiveness that, that, that operates in the community, support, and, and there's heaps more, isn't there, in the Word. We could, we could work on a whole bunch of scriptures and, and have a look at that. But Paul gave us a pretty big hint. That's why I wanted to read this Philippians section. Paul gave us a big hint of what it looks like. And there are words in there like you know, having the same mind, the same love as who? He talks about the Spirit. He talks about the, the Godhead, doesn't he? The same mind, the same, the, same, the same love. Count others more significant than yourselves. Look to the interests of others. And then being like Jesus, he emptied himself. He was a servant. He humbled himself. He was obedient. Did you notice that how the way that we're being called to communion is not to make it up as we go, but it's to mirror the communion in the Trinity. Jesus had to his Father and, and, the, and how it operated with, in the Trinity with his Father and, and Holy Spirit. And Paul is trying to help us to understand that that's what Jesus was like and that's what we're to be like. We are to mirror the communion that the Trinity has, that love, that sacrificial sense, that obedience to one another. There's this thing going on here in the Trinity. There's respect, there's obedience, there's honour. And there's a big clue for us here as to God's reason for the communion of saints, the church. And, and also there's a big clue. Why would we confess this? Because the communion of saints is how God chose to reveal himself into the world through his holy people. You see how others, those two verses in Peter, you're a holy nation, a people belonging to God. Why? So you can declare the excellencies, or other ones, the praise of God. You're not that so you can sit in a holy huddle and feel, oh, right, I'm going to heaven, it's all good. And so are you because you're in here with me. 
No, it's for something. That you may... That's true. It's you and I, the person sitting next to you, the person in the church around the corner, up the road, the church over the ocean. We're a reflection of God to the world, this being the communion of saints, so that we would reflect that, that, that unity in the Trinity, that the relationship in the Trinity, that we would reflect that to the world and, and draw the world to the message of Jesus Christ, to the understanding of salvation. The way that the world will see his love in action is as we love each other and the world around us. That's why it's so exciting to the prayer time that we get to love on the community around us. The way they see his care is the way that we reach out as a caring people. The way that the world will see his grace is when his grace is expressed as we offer it to each other. The way that they will see his blessings is when we celebrate his blessings together as a communion of saints. The way that the world will see the generosity of God is when we're generous as we rejoice in giving. The way that they'll see his support is the way that we support and stand with each other in the community around us. I could go on. Matt Chandler said this about the communion of saints. He simply called it, The tangible presence of God is most often revealed in living among the communion of the saints. The tangible, tangible, taste, touch, sense, the tangible presence of God is most often revealed, exposed, if you like, living amongst the communion of saints. Isn't that great? Is that good? This is the way the world will see and experience all that we've confessed up until now, all the good stuff in the Apostles' Creed up until now. They will know that because... We will show them as a holy Catholic church. So, oh boy. So I guess I need to ask myself and ask us, if we are a reflection of God, what kind of reflection is it? What do they see? Do we manifest that reality? If we're the communion of saints, and we are, then we live for one another. We belong to one another. We're responsible to one another. We care for one another. We enjoy one another's gifts. And even those different gifts, you know, that one person or two persons in church that just do things a little different than the rest of us. We have a common mission. We have a common destiny. And so if we understand that, if we understand all of those privileges, then we'll also understand the responsibilities that go with it. We'll be there. We'll be diligent in coming together as work to worship. We'll contribute. We'll recognize that there's an effect on the body, the whole body, when we don't come together, when we choose not to. The body suffers when, when someone's not there and we don't make a contribution. And it's not, you know, it's not a case of, you know, you can never be missing and, and you can never. But there's a sense that we need to understand that the communion of saints. I am a part of that communion of saints and I contribute something. Now, I can't determine or influence those things for that vast and universal church we've been talking about. 
And maybe I can't even influence those things in this church, in the, the broader church. But I can for me. And I can maybe for a smaller communion of people in the church that I journey with. Notice that Jesus journeyed with 12 and then the 72 and go on. So if you're overwhelmed by sort of saying, well, so you know, I, can't, I, can't, I can't affect the whole church. I can't make the whole church do that. I can't even make this church. I can for me and I can influence that in a smaller group. The communion of saints means that we're inter... You know, we never were independent anyway. That's just a modern illusion. We're always supposed to be dependent on Christ. We just think we're independent. We just think we can make all sorts of decisions and stuff like that. But we can't really. Not when we recognise that we're assigned. We're holy. So when we're confessing this, we're confessing our need you. And you need me. And it's right that way because that's how God created us. We're not saved as individuals. We're saved into and as members of Christ's body. Paul said it clearly in Ephesians 2 verse 19, didn't he? He said, so then you are you know, on your own there, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God. So come on inside. You belong to the household. Kevin Van Hooser, and um, he's just a, a guy that I read something on. I don't know that he's very funny. You might not have heard of him before, but this is what he said. Because God is three that we can realize the imago Dei, the image of God, in humanity is to form a community of persons in loving relationship, the church. The only way that we can realize the image of God, that we can express the image of God to the world, is by being persons in relationship because that's what the image of God is, three persons in relationship. The church is the context, the place, the way that we can realize or live out the image of God. Who he is, his character, his love, his mission, his call, his, and what he did. It's how we live out and display the gospel that has been so perfectly explained in the Apostles' Creed up till now. In fact, if we think of last week of, and the Holy Spirit's role in our sanctification and the church's edification, having now explored our belief in the Holy Catholic Church, it's in a real sense unpacking that, isn't it? It's unpacking Holy Spirit's work in me personally, but in us as a community. How great is it that the message of the gospel, so well set out in the Apostles' Creed, also paints you and I in the picture. Puts us right there. And though we didn't make it happen, praise God, he did that. As we sit here, as we gather, as we acknowledge that we're set apart, that we're assigned as we play our part in that universal body called to shout the message of salvation to each other and to the world, with Holy Spirit indwelling us, we shine a light on Jesus. We bring the gospel to a broken world, that world we live in right now. People before us did it back then and we get to do it right now. That's a privilege. That's a gift. Guys are a gift to me. And dare I say it, vice versa. Let's stand and confess, shall we?
So I believe in God, the Father Almighty, creator of heaven, Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died and was buried. He descended to the dead. On the third day he rose again. He ascended into heaven. He is seated at the right hand of the Father. And he will come to judge the living and the dead. Catholic Church, communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body and the life everlasting. Heavenly Father, thank you for calling us to be your holy people. A people belonging to you, set apart for you, assigned for your purposes. It's, um, Lord, thank you for uh, trusting me, us, your people, your church, to, to, be the, to be the reflection of you to the world around us, to, to be the voice, uh, to be the ones that, that um, open the door, that display salvation, that display grace, that display purpose. Lord, thank you that, um, yeah, thank you for that. And Lord, I, I pray that where we, um, yeah, Lord, where we're, we're not worthy, where we need to grow, Holy Spirit, I ask you to continue your work in us. Show us what it looks like as individuals. Show us what it looks like as a community. Show us um, who we need to um, open the door to and how we can be your holy Catholic Church. How we can be a communion of saints with each other. How we can love, have grace, serve, support, celebrate each other. How we can be open to each other. The ones that are like us, the ones that are not like us. The ones that do respond like us. The ones that don't respond the way we would. Lord, teach us to be a communion of saints. Of chosen people. Saints because that is who we are. Because of you, Christ Jesus, and your work on the cross. And we thank you for that, Lord, and we pray that you would continue to show us. Um, you know, even this week, as we head out into all these new programs this week and or beginning our programs again, we have an opportunity to be the communion of saints right here in Scoresby and over in Uganda and perhaps many workplaces and places will be. Teach us how to be that in Jesus' name. Amen.